welcome to another edition of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. And today we watched the film, oh gosh, I don't even know if it's fair to call it a film. Let's, let's, say, let's say movie. <laughs> the uh, amusement. Yeah. <laughs> the Chopping Mall from 1986. This was Todd's choice, so Todd, explain yourself. Oh man, I, I, you know, I love the director of this film, Jim Wynorski. This is his second movie. He did a movie called The Lost Empire before this, but uh, his dream growing up was to become... Uh, basically worked for Roger Corman. Mm -hmm. He loved his movies growing up, and he wanted to be a B-movie director. And gosh darn it, he got his dream. <laughs> I guess he did. Uh, he, he actually fell right into Roger Corman's lap, essentially went to Hollywood and started cutting trailers for him, cutting trailers for his films. And then one of the distributors came by and to Corman's studio and said, I want a movie that takes place in a shopping mall, a killer in a shopping mall movie. And so Jim Wynorski said that if you'll let me direct it, I'll write it really cheap. And so he wrote it, they let him direct it, and this boosted him down a path which has led to... The guy's made like five or six movies a year. Really? And he's still making movies. And he started out in Roger Corman's studio making movies for him and then started doing his own stuff. He is an interesting character. <laughs> the movies that he started making starting at about uh, the turn of the century, I can say that now, right? Right. <laughs> the 2000, were all these sort of softcore parodies like The Witches of Breastwick <laughs> and uh, The Bear Wench Project and things like that. So he took this... I think very disappointing turn towards just getting like adult film stars and uh, putting them in soft core roles and making these parody films. And that went for about a decade or two. And lately he's been doing more of these big monster movies like uh, like Sharknado type oh. movies. You know, if you look at his newer ones, it's, it's these goofy uh, Piranha Don or something like that films. But I think that his movies back in the 80s and going into the 90s are just more fun. They're super campy. They're clearly written to be campy. Right. Like, he, he's intentionally sticking a whole bunch of humor in here. It's not uh, the kind of, it's so bad, it's it's funny kind of funny. It's the, I'm almost intentionally making this so bad that it's funny, but I'm also throwing in a lot of winks to you right. so that you know that I know that this is g totally goofy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I totally. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and this is... Actually, uh, I love this movie, but there's another movie you and I are going to watch, which is one of my all-time favorite bad movies called Sorority House Massacre 2. All right. He is behind that, and it is just so perfect on so many levels as a bad movie. Oh, gosh, that's funny. Well, if it, if it rivals this one, I'll take your word for it. I mean, yeah, this is a, a really campy movie. I mean, you can see um, that he was given a little uh, wink and a nod to Corman at some point in the movie. Uh, one of the young couples is watching one of Corman's films, right? Mm -hmm. Like Attack of the Giant Crab. crab. Or yeah, something, yeah, something like that. Um, and that other movie that you had mentioned that he had done before, um, that movie poster is featured prominently throughout yeah. the... Uh, um, throughout the film, so it, it's goofy. There are movie posters all through the movie, the <laughs> right. film, for no good reason. Like it's like wherever they had a bare wall and they didn't have any way to decorate it, they just slap up some movie poster. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, it takes place in a mall. The the premise is so simple. We open up with uh, kind of this training seminar 
where mall employees are being told about their new security system, which is these uh, robots, these three robots that are going to patrol at night while the mall is locked down from 12 until 6. We see a video demonstration where this bad guy robber like robs the jewelry store in the mall, and then one of these robots chases after him. The bad guy shoots at him, to, you know, but it doesn't the robot isn't affected in any way and eventually the robot like stuns him and he's detained um, and that's how it's supposed to work all of these people I guess they were mall employees execs maybe yeah or something so um, or just interest yeah it's hard to know interested people from the community yeah or I don't know um, but they're they're concerned about safety and whatnot, and of course the designer, the engineer, whoever's in charge of this, assures them, "Oh no, no, nothing could possibly go wrong." Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think if this was pre or post RoboCops. Robo-Cop. It was 1986. I'm not sure when RoboCop came out, but it's funny because it, it just looking back now at the 80s at what we thought technology was going to be oh my god um these robots you know are are basically just kind of like giant trash bins on, on <laughs> conveyor belts they're like a, a cross between a trash bin and a tank yeah right <laughs> they've got these tank treads these tired what do you call that uh I don't know. Whatever treads, right. they're 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 riding on those, and they're and they sound like lawnmowers when they're going around. Yeah, which is all the sillier that they seem to be able to sneak up on people so right, easily right. throughout and, this movie. And they've got these like uh, pincher hands that they click like like threateningly, <laughs> like that's their their big threat. Um, a little bit reminiscent of uh, Short Circuit, but even Short Circuit was more advanced way more advanced yeah um also uh, really reminiscent of the robot from it's west craven the my oh deadly friend deadly friend yeah deadly friend, it does right. it looks a lot like the deadly friend robot. yeah and it's set up with um i guess tasers and at one point one of the scientists says something like a sleep something that can yeah. knock somebody out tranquilizer yeah. or something um, and and lasers, <laughs> and they just inexplicably start shooting lasers. Right at some point, like the pew 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 kind of like Star Wars uh, guns. Oh yeah, and and the effects are just <laughs> just ridiculously low budget and bad. When they do shoot their lasers, I mean it's obvious that these were just like animated in and post. It's 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 funny, yeah. and they're supposed to be you know they call them killbots, and they're supposed to be these ominous, scary things, and they go at about maybe five miles an hour. <laughs> should be able to outrun these no problem oh right like anytime <laughs> characters are running away from them like it's obvious that they're doing everything that they can to run as slowly as possible and like <laughs> turn around and look behind them to make sure it's still back there and there are some scenes where it, it kind of looks like it's only the robot uh, in frames so there's not a human in frame so they clearly just speed up the film mm-hmm. to make it look like the robots <laughs> are going faster they don't really seem threatening at all but um, of course something does go wrong yeah um, there's a big electrical storm and uh, the, I guess, generators or something on top of the building are struck by lightning, which causes a short, which turns the robots evil. <laughs> I guess it flipped the evil switch right. on the robots or right. something. Yeah, I, I think it's another one of those uh, RoboCop-type deals where you think you've programmed it correctly to not injure people, but... Even more so than than the RoboCop robots, these guys have no. Just it seems like their mo. Yeah. What is it? The first night, maybe that yeah, they're on patrol so. or right. something. Right. They're just going to kill people. Yeah, and you know, at first they kill um, whoever the the guy who was like manning the computer or whatever, and then somebody else comes in to replace him. The body's gone, so I guess the robots clean up after <laughs> themselves too. <laughs> 
and they kill him, and then... Oh, well, that second guy, though, it was the funniest scene, because it probably took ten minutes with yeah. him sitting there, walking in, talking to himself, sitting down, and the way they have these robots positioned in the computer room is... I think if you're either claustrophobic or you're really nervous about these things, it's the worst way. Right. You're, the computer panel is facing the robots, and the robots are facing the computer panel, mm-hmm. and you, as a person operating the computer, is going to sit in between them. With your back to With the With your robots. back to the robots, and they're constantly... The robots are ominously, like, coming on, but coming off, or clicking their fingers, but right. not... Like, they're, they're Looking at one another, like... <laughs> Like, they, like the robots like turn and look at each other like they don't have eyes or anything they just got like this red strip where their lasers shoot out of like they're giving each other looks like sly looks it's pretty funny and this poor guy who all this is making so much noise but then he doesn't hear it right but what he does hear is a little click or something uh-huh. and he turns around and then he goes back to reading his book and turns back around and goes back to reading his book turns around and looks some more goes back to reading his book and you're like okay come on what is this what is this scene going to end right and eventually <laughs> it just kills him and uh, we move on of course then we've got to get some young sexy people lined up to, to start getting killed off so the way that gets established is that these mall employees I think there's four couples um, are going to stay late after the mall closes and they're going to have a party in one of the furniture stores. And, you know, you've got, like, the sexy couple uh, with the guy who's, you know, real buff and and smacking his gum all the time, and his <laughs> girlfriend who's kind of the sex bomb. Uh, and then you've got two more couples who are just kind of a little bit more nondescript. One brown-haired one, one darker-haired couple. And then you've got the cute, sweet, innocent couple, and that is Allison and Ferdy. And they're kind of the the nerdy of the group. And so you know, of course, that if anybody's going to make it, it's going to be them. It's going to be them, right? They're the more innocent ones. And then, so they they start their party, and it's a pretty interesting party. I've never been to a party like this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it has to be said that part of the security system is that the mall has these big steel, sci-fi steel doors that slam shut. So after you're in the mall, for, after a certain point, you're uh, you're basically stuck. stuck and locked in, which is a terrible design. Right. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but they all work at the same... Uh, well, they all work in the mall. And right. three of these guys work in the furniture store, and the other two are in work... I don't know. I don't know where the third, fourth girl should, worked. And- uh, I think, like, the dark-haired couple that seem maybe a little bit older, um, I think that they did like car repairs or oh, something like right. out of the mall or something like that. they came back in. It was like probably the Sears Auto Center in right, the parking lot. Right, Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, uh, yeah, they decide they're going to throw a party that night and lock themselves in and... I don't know. They had some beer, but they didn't really drink much of it. And no, they, they danced for like some music. They and danced, danced for like around. three minutes, and then everybody jumped into bed. Um, not all the same bed, but it's yeah. a furniture store. It's yeah. like a showroom. So, like, here's one couple kind of over in one corner, and then maybe 10, 15 feet away is another couple on a couch or something. <laughs> Um, and they're all just getting it on, except for, of course, the sweet, innocent ones, Ferdy uh, and Allison, who are watching the Corman movie, and she's getting scared and kind of snuggling up to him, and he's, you know, being a total gentleman, and I think eventually maybe they smooch a little bit, too. They but... seem to, or at least the implication yeah. is that they do. I, I think this movie is not without art, though, because that is a cool scene where they go from bed 
to bed, to sofa, to other bed, to those two sitting on that other sofa. It's it's a, it's all one shot, isn't it? it? Is, I think it is, yeah. They move from one to the other. It's pretty impressive, actually, for this kind of movie sure. to have an all one shot deal where you're getting a little bit of byplay with the different characters. And the writing is really goofball. Oh my gosh. Um, well, the it's, lines are... It's fun to watch because they use such antiquated 80s slang. They do. Bodacious and bitchin'. <laughs> right. Um, Allison's friend, Susie, she's the one that's going to be setting uh, Allison up with Ferdy, and she says something like, Hey, would I set you up with a slime dog or something? No way, babe. It, it is, is babe, babe, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Just stuff that really seemed even really artificial, even for yeah. the 1980s. And the dialogue is just, I mean, this, the script... It's fun in how silly it is, but, you know, they're being chased around by these robots, and they'll just stop to hang out in a place for a while, <laughs> chit-chat, you know. It's it's like every time they escape the robots, then they just move somewhere else and just wait for them to show up again. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> they're being pursued. I-, I love that line when the two of them are on the sofa making out. You smell like pepperoni. Well, that's the way you feel. Wait a minute. What? I like pepperoni. <laughs> oh. In that case... Then she takes her top off. <clears throat> and that's, you know, we get a lot of that. Well, actually, not as much as you might think from a movie like this. I mean, no. there, there's definitely TNA. There's not um, a lot, though. Not as, not so much. Not so much as in his later years. Uh, <laughs> right. Jim Wynorski, one of, one of his uh, famous quotes is he says that uh, breasts are the cheapest special effect we have. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny that you said that he kind of went on to do softcore porn stuff because there were several times in this movie where if you just lifted out the 15 or 20 seconds, you might have thought that it was lifted from a porn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's kind of the quality of acting and writing, and writing that yes. we've got here. You're absolutely um, right. <laughs> uh, we have a little cameo. Uh, what, what What's the guy's name? He was the old neighbor from Gremlins, right? Yeah, Dick Miller. Yeah. yeah, and you'll see him in a lot of Roger Corman. He's oh, really? like one of Corman's, you know, staple guys. Yeah, always playing the same type of character. Oh, you that's know? funny. Yeah, he plays a janitor, and he's um, after the two, you know, computer guys. Um, he's the first one to get it, and it's kind of a funny scene where he's like bantering with this robot, um, <laughs> and then the robot shoots its its taser, um, and it misses him, um, but it lands in the puddle of water where he's mopping, so he gets electrocuted. And again, it's that classic 80s electrocuting look animated kind of thing yeah he falls down and the robot goes thank you have Have a nice nice day day. (laughs) (laughs) and that's a running gag through the whole thing every time it kills somebody it says that right it's hilarious (laughs) yeah i mean it's silly i mean they they clearly knew they clearly knew what they were doing they weren't trying to make this a serious scary movie and it's not scary i mean there's really nothing scary about it at all it's more just a fun ride after that the plot basically is these folks get these kids get picked off one by one yep. um, in kind of a variety of ways. Um, the first one to go is Brennett, I think his name. He's the hot guy with you know who's got the sexy, sexy girlfriend, and mm-hmm. um, she sends him out to go get cigarettes. He goes out there. One of the robots shows up. You know, there's not much to it. The robot tases him or puts him to sleep or something, then cuts his throat. Yeah, and that and, and that's another eighties thing. He's going to get cigarettes out of the vending machine. Yeah, and they're a dollar and he's like, a dollar and a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> like if only. Right, right. <clears throat> oh man. So and then his girlfriend comes out looking for him. 
She stumbles upon him, finds his dead body. She starts running back to the store, and the robot is in pursuit of her shooting the lasers. That's when the lasers come out. Right. Like, what the heck? And, like, I get one of the robot has, like, red lasers, and the other one has a blue laser. It's really funny. (laughs) And what else is... The other thing that's funny about that is the robots chase them around the mall throughout the whole rest of the movie, and they're constantly shooting lasers of them, and very, very rarely do they hit. Yeah. (laughs) Like, sometimes... inaccurate robots. Right. Sometimes the characters will literally be like five ten feet in front of them standing not moving like just standing there like with a gun or something and the lasers are flying all around but uh, they never get hit um, except for her yeah except for her she does she her head gets blown off uh, the most impressive special effect of the whole movie right yes it is <laughs> And that's the the rest of the kids see this happen through the store window, so now they know they're in pursuit, and so they all run off together. And from then on, it's it's really just cat and mouse. It really is, yeah. They crawl up in the the vents, vents the up air above shaft. the air shaft. The girls do, and they think that the robots are are cranking up the heat because they know they're up there. It's all very lamely played. Oh, yeah. It's all pretty bad, but yeah, it's just cat and mouse. I love some of the jokes though when they go through and the guys decide that they need to get weapons. Yeah. We're not going to be able to get out of here, so we need to go get weapons. So they run to the sporting goods store, which is called Peckinpah's. <laughs> you know, reference to Sam Peckinpah, which is hilarious. And uh, they get all their, they get all manner of, I don't know, man, can you buy Like assault rifles? These assault rifles and things in stores? Pro- well, probably not anymore. Uh, and, even in the 80s, really? I don't know. I don't know. But, well, it is funny because, you know, it's just the sporting goods store where all of these weapons are just right out on the shelves right stocked right next to the ammo (laughs) (laughs) so they arm themselves uh to the teeth um one guy's got like the bullet strap you know down across his torso and he's got like a semi-automatic rifle and one of them's got like a great big shotgun and and one of them's got like a magnum handgun or something and um, they get all strapped up and one of them says something like let's go send those f***ers a rambo gram And there are funny, funny lines like that uh, throughout. I mean, just just silly, just pure cheese. Yeah. It's cute, too, the way that the movie changes tone just a little bit when these guys decide they need to start fighting back. It suddenly becomes less of a horror movie and more of an action movie. Mm -hmm. They're gunning, trying to gun these robots down, and nothing gets these Mm -hmm. things. Absolutely nothing. Uh, They think that they've knocked it out. They toss a... Propane tank. propane tank down, shoot the propane tank, and that blows up, and the robot tips over, mm-hmm. and uh, I think they're standing over it, and he says, what's that? Robot blood. <laughs> no further explanation. <laughs> I guess these robots just bleed something. <laughs> but that robot wasn't even dead. Uh, it comes back yeah. up. And so it does a pretty good job, I think, the film of this relentlessness of these robots, even though they are not credible, necessarily. Right. The, within the movie world, it does a pretty good job of keeping them relentless. Like, you really have no idea. It's not like, well, why don't you just tip them over? Or why right. don't you just do this? Because nothing is working on these mm. guys, and they're certainly trying. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, you know, with today's technology and a better budget, the story might seem more plausible yeah. if it weren't so obvious that they could easily outrun these things <laughs> if they just wanted to. Um, yeah. Or if, you know, like, they will, like I said before, they will get away. Like, they'll open up one of the garage-style doors to one of the closed stores and then get inside and close the door behind them. 
And these robots have gotten through, like, steel doors and stuff before, but they'll just go in there then and sit and wait until they come in. They're like, oh, crap, now they're here. We better do something. In, in the meantime, while they've been chatting, the robots have been w- uh, blowtorching their way slowly <laughs> through this thing. Right. Like, they didn't notice. Yeah, yeah. Like, they didn't hear until the robots were done and they pushed it through. Oh, crap. We need to move now. <laughs> But it does allow them to sit around and chat a little bit and uh, have some great lines, such as, uh, I guess I'm just not used to being chased around a mall in the middle of the night by killer robots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's not common experience, I guess. Um, and, and other funny things, too, like, uh, at, at first, the girls and the guys get separated. The girls are in the vents. The guys are doing their gun thing. Eventually, they get back together and... Um, there's lots of shootouts throughout, but at one point they trap one of the robots in a elevator that they have rigged up with like gas tanks, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, More of those propane tanks. Yeah. yeah. And they're trying to, they get it trapped in there and they're trying to hit the propane tanks. And Allison, the cute, nice girl grabs like the big 357 Magnum from one of the guys and like very dirty, hairy style, like points it with both hands and shoots and blows up uh, whatever it was they were trying to blow up. And somebody goes, wow, that was awesome. And she's like, my dad's a Marine. <laughs> so I shoot three, you know, magnums all the time. Um, just goofy stuff like that. Then they just get picked off. I mean, I was writing yeah. down Susie. Uh, they, they try to attack the uh, robots with cans of gasoline. That doesn't work. Um, yeah, they've made like Molotov cocktails out right. of them and that doesn't work. And then Su- Susie, the one who ends up getting burned up because uh, right. she falls and she, she's got Yeah, one of those she tanks. gets hit um, by a laser in the leg and she falls. Her friends are about five feet away from her. They do nothing at all to <laughs> help her. Uh, they just stand there and watch while she gets, I guess, well, the laser hits the gas can and she gets burned up. Yeah, while well, the, the robot, in a uh, rare moment of accuracy, yeah. looks at, shoots the gas can right away. Exactly. <laughs> Um, then, because Susie is dead, Greg, her boyfriend, gets all ticked off and kind of wants to go off rogue, and they're all trying to follow him. He has the idea that they need to find, like, the central computer that controls the robots. If they can get that shut down, then everything will be okay. So he takes off running, and they take off running behind him. He runs up to the top of the escalator on the third floor and turns around. It's like, come on, you guys. The ghost is clear. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, the robot just rolls up right behind him throws him off the balcony (laughs) he's done soon after uh, you know again it's just running around you know there's not much to describe they're running around they run all around this mall Linda she gets killed by a laser Walden Walden her husband has one of the weirdest death scenes Walden sees I think that's his name the the mechanic guy he sees Linda get killed and then like the way that Oh, how, yeah. did it, how did it play out? He's, all right, so the robot actually got a little disabled because there was some electrical... What, they, did they shoot something they, at it? They set it up. Oh, yes! Yeah, that was strange. They set up a row of mannequins, mm-hmm. and they raised the the lid on the store or whatever, and there's a row of mannequins there, so the two robots are there, and they're shooting at the mannequins, and they're behind the mannequins mm-hmm. shooting at them. And behind the mannequins themselves... Is something covered up by a sheet. Right. And they whip that off, and it's a bunch of mirrors they've set up. And so apparently these lasers bounce off of mirrors. You're right. <laughs> these killer lasers. <laughs> they've gone through everything else. But mirrors hit the robot. It hits the robot back. It's short-circuited, yeah. essentially, so it's spinning and spinning. <laughs> and then Chuck, like an idiot, because his girlfriend was the one who got uh-huh. just got shot, 
almost goes suicidal and uh, jumps on a security cart. Yeah. Which is only about... 20 feet away it's, from the yeah. robot. And it's like the size of a coffee table. I don't know what he was planning. It's like one of those things that you see, like, the security, like, driving the elderly around yeah. on a mall or something like that. And he's driving it towards the robot as he's shooting at it. I don't know if he thought he was going to drive it past it. I have no idea. I don't even know why he thought that was a good idea in the first place. But right. he just slowly drives right into it. Really slowly. <laughs> and electrocutes himself yeah. by contact. So then we're down to... Um, Ferdy and Allison, uh, and they go off, they're still looking for the computer, and she says, we'd probably have better luck if we split up, because that's always a great idea in a horror movie. Um, so they do, and he goes off looking one way, she goes off looking another way. She's looking for this supercomputer, but apparently she thinks she's going to find it in like these storage rooms that are full of junk. Um, she gets cornered uh, by one of the robots, and she screams for Ferdy, and he comes running, and he, like, distracts the robot away, and the robot starts chasing him. And again, just... <laughs> he takes off, like, a fire extinguisher or something off the wall and tosses it at the robot, and, of course, it just bounces right off. The robot picks it up and, I guess, with great force, throws it back at him, hits him directly in the chest. He falls over backwards, and you see blood coming out of his his head, and so... I think that it's one of those, oh, you're supposed to think that he's dead, but it's so obvious yeah, he's not going to be. we know he's coming back. Right, you know he's going to be back And around. these robots, I'm not sure how they sense life. I'm not sure how they sense human life. If they're distracted by mannequins, mannequins. and they drive up to this guy and think that he's dead, even right. though he's not, and so they drive away and chase her. And then it becomes she's the final girl, mm-hmm. we think, and she gets chased all around. She has a pretty good stunt there, too, and apparently she did her own stunts. Oh, that film. that fall? Yeah, that fall from the from the third uh, floor, I believe, wow. all the way down onto a. Uh, in fact, uh, when I was reading that when they set up this stunt, uh, Jim Wynorski, the director, volunteered to be the first one to mm-hmm. to do it, as long as they did it from the second story. And he did. He fell and got up and everything. Later learned that he broke a rib. Oh wow! But he didn't say anything to anybody. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what are you gonna say? I broke a rib, but you'll be all right. <laughs> the robot's chasing her all around. At one point, she hangs from like the balcony. You know, this is a real mall. It was all shot in a real mall, mm-hmm. and it's very. I mean, it takes you right back to it the eighties. Really you know, there's there's really not this. At least as far as I know, there's not the same kind of mall culture that there was when we were kids. No. You know, now with Amazon, people do all their shopping from their computer screen. But um, you just go to a mall to hang out, right? You know, you go. It would be like a day thing. Oh yeah. At least my family we, definitely. We go to church, and then afterwards we'd go to the mall. Right, and eat lunch in the the food court. Yeah, and, wander know, around. Everybody kind of go off their own way, and you kind of converge at different spots throughout the day. It was kind of fun, because it was its own little city that, I guess, parents felt okay with letting their kids run around in uh-huh. there. Like, they might let their kids run around in a department store, right. which is so much cooler than a department store, because... It is. It's like a little city, and you have all these stores, and you have a food place, and you have a fountain, and you can sit. And they even used to have concerts in malls. Remember that? That's why I enjoy watching movies like this that take place in old 80s malls. Mm -hmm. And it fulfills into that fantasy that I always had as a kid that you probably did, too, of what would it be like to stay in the mall overnight? Right, to have free reign. Yeah, to just... 
everything. Eat this food and go into this store and do that. And this movie, I think, taps into that fantasy a little bit, which is, I think, for me anyway, is part of what makes it fun to watch. It is fun to watch, but it definitely dates it. You know, yes. it, 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 it shows our age for sure. Oh, and some of the, I mean, there are real stores in here, along with the fake ones that go by in the background mm-hmm. of the scenery. I thought part of the fun was just look, oh, I remember floor shine shoes yeah. and I remember this. And one scene when she's hanging from the balcony and the robots kind of patrolling back and forth, we get this shot. And in the background, one of the stores is clocks and music boxes. <laughs> and I don't think that's a store that they created. Yeah. I think it was the actual store. And I thought, oh, how quaint. Yeah. A store that would actually sell clocks and oh, music gosh. boxes yeah, you'll never see today. No, no. <laughs> and it's funny because I noticed that too. And I was just like you. I was really kind of trying to look just, you know, for nostalgia purposes. And some of them seem to be clearly made up, but some mm-hmm. of them not. And I, you know, that's kind of surprising anymore. Corporations are really careful with their brands and, and what yeah. they'll allow to be shown on screen and whatnot. And it doesn't seem like they really had any problem with that here. I mean, it was, it was shot in a real mall. Um, they were given permission to shoot overnight so long as they didn't destroy anything and so long as everything was cleaned up by the time that they left in the morning. Yeah. And uh, I guess the maintenance people weren't very happy about it, but uh, the owner of the mall thought it was fun uh, yeah. and was, was happy to, to let them use it. Well, you know, when you talk about mall culture, I like the way this movie starts out. I think the movie is clever in so many ways, making use of the limited budget that they obviously had. First off, I thought that the the very beginning part was cool, how we think we're watching the movie with this mm-hmm. killer bot, but it's actually a film strip that they're showing these people at the right. security convention. But then after that, as the credit sequence goes on, we get what is supposed to be sort of a pastiche of mall culture, right? There's a woman carrying drinks, walking mm-hmm. along. Through the food court. And it cuts to a kid skateboarding through the mall. And... In the midst of all of this, like, funny things are happening, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the woman, by the end of this, we keep cutting back to her, and she's still getting bump- bumped around, and then finally she gets to the table, and that's when she ends up losing the drinks, like, right in someone's lap. And... <laughs> Which always happened, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somebody was always dropping their tray in those, because they were so busy and uh, bustling. There's, like, a couple making out like crazy on a bench, and it pans over to an older couple on another bench, and she's kind of looking at them, and so she turns right around and starts to give uh, her husband a kiss, and... I, I thought that part was really fun. Yeah, I know? mean, even the little stuff like uh, two of the girls, Allison and Susie, work in one of the restaurants in the mall, and so you kind of get a little glimpse at their waitress life and the kind of people that come in there. Come on, come on, sweetheart. Give it to me, give it to me. What do you got? Andiamo. Can I get two Okaluji belly busters, a double anchovy pizza, and an order of garlic logs? so gross. What in hobby brain ordered that? Right over there. Oh, God. I should have known. That Orca Beach is here every night. Always trying to snag some skin. Play it safe, Allison. Serve it on blink if you get my drift. Thanks for the advice. The guys work in a furniture store, and um, you kind of see their dynamic. You know, there's Ferdy is, you know, the, the nerdy one who's really concerned about doing the job right, and the other two are like, oh, this is a stupid job. Who gives a sh- stuff? Uh, uh. <laughs> he ain't gonna know diddly unless you tell him. And you ain't gonna tell him, are ya? Hey, look, don't force me to pull rank. Oh, I'm shaking. You know, Brennan, you're becoming a real candidate for prickhood. <laughs> Look, guys, this party is gonna happen, but we need a little teamwork, okay? Besides, if the place looks like shit on money, it's all our asses. You got the beer? Great. Come on. Dude. The fridge is packed. All right, good. 
So yeah, it I, for that reason, it is kind of a little time capsule uh, of a of a day gone by. Yeah, it makes it fun. I think. Right. Well, you know, so we're we're down to the final girl, and basically she runs around. You know, she she does this fall from like the third level. She lands in one of those um, tent setups, uh, just one of the little kiosks, kiosks in the mall, and then she runs into a paint store. I don't remember there being paint stores in the mall, but but okay. Um, It was a different time. Yeah. (laughs) And she goes in, and in the course of about 15 seconds, opens up about 50 cans of paint. (laughs) (laughs) That's another one of those great scenes where cuts to the robot coming towards her, cuts to her opening two paint cans, cuts to the robot going towards her. It's like, please, this is, I've seen this mall. The robot is not that far away. Right. And And I'm sorry, but paint cans are sometimes really hard to open. True. And um, the thing that cracked me up was like, you know, everything else had failed. Nothing had stopped these robots. And what's going to stop them? Arts and crafts. (laughs) 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 So she opens up all these things of paint and and throws them all on the floor, like underneath this big pile of paint. Um, And she's pouring turpentine and stuff down there, too. And then she kind of does that come and get me uh, thing and the robot comes in and, and rolls right into her pile she or her puddle um, she sneaks around and then at some point she had gotten the flare when they were setting up those Molotov cocktails she t- tucked a flare down her in shirt. her cleavage right <laughs> it's the goodest place of any I might guess might as well um, didn't think to whip it out until now right but, uh, and uh, she she takes it out and uh, lights it and classic you know just says throws it uh, into the puddle and it explodes. Like, the whole store explodes. And then the robot is gone. Um, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, wow, this moment she walks away from the smoke. And then you hear this, hey! <laughs> she looks up and there's uh, her boyfriend waving it down at him, Ferdy. Yes, with a great big smile on his face. Like, good job, honey. <laughs> like, you've been watching her that whole time. Yeah, he's something. got a roll of toilet paper held behind his head, I guess, soaking <laughs> up the blood. But he's fine. And then, like, they kind of come together in the big central lobby area of the mall and they embrace and they're in love. And all of a sudden, it's midday, <laughs> apparently, because it's bright as all get out I in guess there. we needed more light uh, for that final scene. Uh, and then that's it. Cut to credits. I mean, yeah. it's that simple. It's a it's a simple, goofy movie. Little goofy lines throughout. Yeah, I hadn't seen this. I, I know that I had seen it because this is one of those movies. We talk about this all the time. You know, the 80s were such an excellent time for uh, box art, for yes. the VHS tapes. And this one is just permanently cemented in my mind. You know, it's just a, a, like an illustrated, animated shopping bag full of, like, dismembered body parts, like an eyeball an hanging eyeball out of the top. eyeball up at the top, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, oh my gosh, I just thought that was the coolest thing. I thought, this is going to be the best movie ever. Yeah. Uh, and I saw it when I was a kid. I mean, I must have been really young. And I think I only saw it that once. This was the first time I've revisited it since then. Uh, and it's... It's something. You, you know what I overlooked on that box art always as a kid I never noticed, and I only noticed it while I was looking it online today, was that the hand holding the bag, bag is a robot hand. I mean, it's not an accurate depiction of the robots right. in the movie, but it's clearly making that connection. Did you ever notice? I don't that? think I, I did. I don't think I did either. I, I just... looked it up last night when we were talking about doing this, and uh, I wanted to show my friend, because he couldn't remember. And yeah, I noticed that too. Damn. I don't know... 
Surely it was always there. I, yeah. I, I, oh, yeah, of course. <clears throat> but so, it was just not, it's not what drew your eye. Right, The right. eye drew your eye. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And it did its job. I mean, I, I wanted to see that movie so bad, and I, I'm sure I finally just talked my dad into uh, to renting it for me. Well, Chopping Mall is a clever title. It was originally called Killbots, mm-hmm. and uh, released to the theaters, as Roger Corman's movies always were, up until uh, about the 90s, when everything kind of started to go straight to video. And it just didn't do very well. And they chalked it up to maybe it's the title. And the poster for it had robots on the front. And think about it. This was Transformers time. Right. They wondered maybe people were thinking that this wasn't a, uh, a horror film, but it was more of a kid's um, animated robot movie. Right. So that's when they changed it to Chopping Mall. And it actually did fairly well. So much so that they thought about doing a sequel after the rebound. Oh, wow. You know, uh, <laughs> didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. But apparently did fairly well on on VHS. You know, yeah, it, it doesn't deals. surprise me. And I mean, it was really low budget. So, I mean, if they made any money on it, I I have no idea what the, the numbers are, but I think $800,000 yeah, or something budget, which is really low. And you know that Roger Corman's totally famous for that. He, to this day, claims that he's never made a movie that didn't make money. He's the guy who would uh, make a movie under budget and uh, quicker, mm-hmm. and he'd still have actors and people under contract. So he'd hire somebody to a quick whip up another script using the same actors, the same sets the same locations and make a second movie yeah that's funny you told me that before but i didn't put the two together yeah it's uh, it's it's interesting i could see that was a kind of a dream of mine too as i was a kid honestly i I really wanted when i was thinking about being a filmmaker my idea of a filmmaker was uh doing the more interesting films you Mm -hmm. know not the artsy kind of films it was more about uh let's do some of these horror films let's do action movies and let's do them like roger corman did you know so we could really pump them out and and make them fun and exciting because that's one thing his movies never are boring usually yeah yeah i mean it's it's a very specific type of movie. It's a drive-in movie. It's uh, we were talking about. Um, <laughs> you thought that you had seen it on USA Up All Night, which again, if uh, you're if you're younger than thirty, you won't know what that is. But Gilbert Gottfried and this busty blonde. What was her name? Rhonda Shear. Rhonda Shear. Say <laughs> up all night. Yeah. <laughs> they would host these. Uh, I mean, it was kind of an Elvira kind of thing, but it was campier, and they didn't just do horror. They did screwball comedies and stuff too. But it was really late night, like one or two in the morning mm-hmm. um, on, on cable and they would host these cheese ball movies and it was so much fun. It, you know, it was exciting as a kid, you know, eight, nine, ten years old to stay up late way past your bedtime and, you know, your parents are letting you stay up late on the weekend and watch these goofy movies. I, I remember so many times waiting and trying so hard to stay awake for mm-hmm. it to come on and then probably 20 minutes in the movie I'd be asleep. <laughs> it would always happen. <laughs> But it was a ritual for me, too, you know, and my parents let me do it. And we, you know, it was just right there on the sofa, get a a blanket and sit there. And usually they'd show two, wouldn't they? I think so. Like one or two back to back. And to try to stay up for the second one was almost impossible. (laughs) (laughs) But it's that kind of thing. That's what you're getting into. You you know, it's not high quality. The acting is not great. In fact, at times it's a little bit painful. Um, The dialogue, again, same thing, a little bit painful at times. But that's cheesy and corny and kind of fun, too. So you're not going into this with high expectations. Correct. And and there's some interesting uh, actors in here. J- John Terleski, who's the kind of the jockey, jer- jerky yeah. guy, Mike. I think he's uh, you, he's on television. Is he now? He's the one who you said, uh, he looks really familiar to me. He did, and I went and looked him up, and he's got quite a few credits, mm-hmm. um, like 40-some uh, acting credits. And I didn't he does really... a lot of directing, too. Does he? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I think that I rec- he was in sitcoms in the 80s and 90s. He yes. was on The Facts of Life and yes. uh, Empty Nest. And I imagine that's probably where I know him from. I didn't really recognize any of his movie titles. Well, he has that face, you know. He's yeah. got that uh, jockey, kind yes. of good-looking, chiseled. Uh, could, could probably play a really nice guy. Could also play a real jerk. Right, and he's got great hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got, like, this great, like, oh, I don't even know how to describe it. You know, just this huge head of soft, flowing 80s Yeah, hair. yeah. Awesome. It's like a football player hair. Typical. <laughs> Typical. And uh, apparently, well, and it, again, if you're familiar with Jim Wynarski's movies, if you've seen, oh, I think Vice Squad, uh, there, there is a couple in the very beginning of the film who you never see again, but they're sitting watching the presentation. And they're like the comic relief. Mm-hmm. They're quipping really bad lines back and forth to each other. It's supposed to be funny, but it doesn't mm-hmm. really come across that way. You will see those two in a lot of these films. And she, I can't remember her name right off the bat, but she pretty much stars in the Vice Squad series of movies, which was sort of a sex comedy, police academy mm-hmm. type knockoff, but with women, you know, busty women, basically. Yeah, are you talking about those two that were sitting in the audience mm-hmm. in that opening scene? They looked familiar yep. to me. And, you know, I wrote their names down because there's a little bit of focus on them in the beginning I thought that they were going to be central characters but no they're just there in the beginning I think for a little comic relief I was reading uh, the cast list on IMDb are those two did you say that they repeated in several like because there were a couple of characters that and I assume it's probably them that it said they're playing the same roles actually they're playing the same characters it could very well be I I don't remember enough about all the other movies and not that it's important at all Um, but she has a very striking look to her she has a um, kind of a mannish face. She has mm-hmm. very chiseled, um, very distinct features and things. But she, yeah, she's in a lot. Of, Vice Squad was another one of those movies that would come on USA up yeah. all night as well. And uh, she was the head police officer or something in mm-hmm. those movies. And then apparently, and we didn't even learn this until we were going through the cast list, so we went back to the movie to see it. Angus Scrim, yeah, has a very very small role. In- oh, tiny cameo, and you wouldn't even we did. I mean, we we're fans of Angus Scrim, big fans, <laughs> um, and we didn't notice him at all. I mean, you, you don't see him up close. It's no. really just kind of a faraway shot from the back. But if you, I mean, if you're paying attention and you listen, it's it's definitely him. I it's mean, he's got voice. that distinctive voice, mm-hmm. and so that's 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 cool. And then one of the actors in here, I'm not sure which one, actually went on to do, uh, I believe. Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors. Oh. Uh, and then the fourth one as well reprised his role. And oh. I believe this was his, his first film. Gotcha. So, uh, Dream Warriors, that was one of my favorite entries from yeah. that series. It's a good one. <laughs> you know, I cannot wait for us to see Sorority House Massacre 2. We might need to bump that up on the list after seeing this. Because to see it after this, these are the two films I would recommend that you would want to watch to get an idea of a certain kind of film that's you don't see made anymore. It's camp. It's intentional camp, I should say. It, it, it's really all intended to be a comedy in many ways, mm-hmm. but it surprises you because it's marketed as pure horror, mm-hmm. and it makes for a fun film. And this is the kind of thing that Jim Wynarski really excels in, and why he's a director that I continue to come back to. Uh, not for his later stuff, but his yeah. earlier stuff is really quite fun. That's good. Well, we'll have to check it out. Thank you for listening. Um, If you enjoyed uh, what you heard, uh, you can find all of our previous episodes on iTunes or Stitcher. You can find us on Facebook. We're on Google Plus uh, every once in a while. We would love to hear your feedback. Um, We would love to see you liking and sharing the podcast. If uh, you enjoy it, share it with a friend. But until next time, I'm Craig. And I'm Todd. With Two Guys in a Chainsaw. Chainsaw.